Welcome to the Darren Sargent Show, the podcast where you get life advice from a single-handed perspective. So glad that you've joined us today. In this episode, episode number 16, we are going to be talking about adaptability. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. I believe that it's safe to say that we are living in unprecedented times. I I know that's probably an understatement, but allow me to dig around it for a while today in this episode. Anytime you have uncertainty and unpredictability in the current of society, culture, or even your own life, it's paramount that you recognize a couple of things. Number one, Recognize, first of all, that there is something going on. And secondly, we need to be aware of what God is wanting to do during uncertain and unpredictable times. Now, the Bible is filled with individuals who rose from the murky waters of history and were used by God to bring about change in a nation, a family, a city, even a world. You don't have to read very long into the Scripture to find this, and you don't have to read very long even through our own history books in this nation and discover individuals, one after another, who brought about change and direction during uncertain times. Men and women, both young and old, whose voices were heard cutting their way through the dense obstacles that were resistant to change, and they brought about direction, they brought about solutions to whatever the problem was at the time that they were on this planet. Change. We're hearing a lot about this right now. Specifically in our own society, this word is being talked about constantly. we got to bring about change. Let's see change. It's all around us. I think we all know what I am saying today, this, this idea we got to change things. It's everywhere you look. Now, I am convinced that all of us can change and each of us can bring about change. Transformation, say that with me, transformation, which is what change truly is at the core, and it's something that's at the core of our faith. You and I are called by God to renew our minds for the purpose and the promise of transformation. Now, when I was a child, I remember I wanted to be a fireman. My, my dad was a fireman for a few years, and in my mind, that was the coolest thing that somebody could be. Now, many times sitting around the table with friends and family when I was a child, I remember dad telling heroic deeds that he participated in as a fireman. So that, that's, that's what I wanted to be, along with an astronaut and Evil Knievel, yes, we'll talk about him a little bit later. And I even wanted to be the trapeze artist who came by in the traveling circus. Of course, I probably didn't think that one through because I am a bit off balance and the high tightrope might be a bit tricky for me to navigate (laughs) because I am off balance. But nevertheless, as a kid, you dream about all the things you could one day grow up to be. You dream of a big life. You dream of a bright future. 
You dream of something amazing that you will one day live and, and experience. It is so easy as a child to dream or imagine so many things because there's really no pressure to actually act on your dreams. Just having big dreams was enough to impress your your friends in the neighborhood or your church buddies, but then you enter into college where you change your major five or six or 14 times and end up finishing with a degree in general studies. Life then moves from one thing to another, one city to another, one job to another, all the while trying to figure out this life thing, wishing you could go back to just dreaming dreams. All of us have met people, maybe it's you that's listening to this and you're one of them, but we've all met people where what you are doing or maybe even what you got a degree in is not what your heart really wants to be doing. I've talked to many young adults, even parents with kids already messing up the house that have felt like they are doing stuff that isn't the stuff their heart is telling them to do. Now, I don't have time to get into all this to psychoanalyze, what's the word I'm looking for? Psychoanalyze, there it is, all of this or to break it down. But let me just say this before we get too far ahead of ourselves in this episode. Life is a constant flow. Life is not a, uh, a stationary thing. It's, it's fluid. It's flowing. It's, it's moving. It's changing. It's fluctuating. It's, it's a constant step moving one way or the other. Hear me when I tell you, and I feel like this is an episode that maybe all of us probably need to listen to over and over again as we go through life. Your dreams are not just a picture taken with a Polaroid, but it is still a story that is being written. I've told students across the country and uh, a few students of life as well, when you stop dreaming, you stop living. Mark Twain, one of my my favorite authors, he's the author of the book Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn, a few other books that are out there. He, He made this statement one time about an acquaintance of his. He said this, he died at 30, but they buried him at 60. Don't die to your dreams before it's time. I think that's what Mark Twain was saying. He died a death at 60, but he had stopped dreaming and living at 30. Now, even though dreaming and discovering is such a vital part of the human existence, all of us must also be willing to continually adapt. So for for us to fully become who God is uh, desiring us to become, there must consistently be elements of dreaming about things that are still worth pursuing and, and, and being even curious enough to explore those possibilities while continuously learning what needs to be learned in order to attain what it is that we were created to do. But I also believe that the highest level of success centers around what we're talking about today, and that is adaptability. Probably the reason this subject resonates with me so much is because this has been something I have had to do my entire life. Now, for the most part, 
having only one hand, this is all I know. I don't have a memory of what it feels like to have two hands. So I haven't really had to maybe adjust. Some people say, well, how, how did you learn? To? It's just all I know. I was born this way, but I do know there are several things I've had to learn to adapt to in order to make some things work. I've had to learn to reinvent the wheel, so to speak, in some areas of my life. For instance, I remember getting my first bike, and yes, it was an evil Knievel bike. I'm a child of, my childhood was in the 70s. My teenage years were in the 80s, of course, and, and evil Knievel was the, he was the man in the 70s. In fact, where I grew up in Twin Falls, Idaho, outside of Twin Falls, Idaho, you could see the mound of earth that Evil Knievel's rocket set on. Oh, that he got into and tried to make it over to the other side of the Snake River Canyon. As a child, I would stand there looking at it thinking, that is so cool. But my first bike that I can remember was an Evil Knievel bike. It was white, it had a gas tank on it, and it had Evil Knievel stickers. Evil Knievel stickers on the side of that gas tank. Didn't have gas in it, but it was cool. Learning to ride a bike was a challenge for a one-handed kid. Uh, you know, you hear people say, look, mom, no hands. Not me. I said, look, mom, one hand. But I remembered learning. It was a challenge, but I did it. And if I remember right, my parents may be able to correct me on this, but if I remember right, I learned without training wheels. That bike eventually was traded up, so to speak, for a new bike, a BMX bike. Now I'm into my early teen years when this happened, and I got a Mongoose Californian. Oh, if anybody can go back in your mind to the early 80s and remember the BMX craze that was going on. We had tracks built we had jumps i i finally saved i still this is this is this sounds weird but i found it my mom had given me a box of all my stuff a few years back and i was rummaging through it things from my teenage years and in that box was the wallet and it was a velcro wallet that's that dates me right there but in that wallet was my original receipt for the Mongoose Californian BMX bike that I had bought with my own money. I had saved up my money, and I had bought that bike. And I, I, we spent hours, my brother and I spent hours riding our BMX bikes. He, he had one as well. And I think we started out with, with something a little cheaper, a little, you know, I can't remember what it was, but I don't know if I had a Schwinn or I can't remember, but I do remember the mongoose. And he, mine was, had a red seat and my brother's had a black seat and, and it was just, they were, they were, they were the bomb. I mean, those bikes were amazing, but there was a problem that I found in riding this bike because I wasn't just going to ride it on smooth trails. I wasn't going to just ride it uh, down the primrose path. I wanted to go and find the biggest cliff, the fastest downhill run that I could find that had a big ramp or a big mound of dirt at the end of it that would launch us into the stratosphere. But here was the problem that I began to notice. 
I could ride down the hill fine. I could launch up into the air absolutely grand. I could kick the back out and cross the steering wheel or the handlebars, and and it looked like I was one of the best, most sophisticated BMX freestyle riders of my generation. But when I landed, I had the tendency to have my left arm, which is just a little bit past my elbow, the rest is missing, it would slip off. And as a result, I often found myself eating a bunch of gravel. Chipped teeth, scraped knees, scraped face. I would try. I wanted to, I wanted to be like everybody else. My brother would, would jump up in the air and pull off a tabletop, and, 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 and I would try to do the same thing, but when I landed, that arm would slip off often. And I'd find myself face down in the dirt. Now, that didn't stop me from continuing to do it, much to my mom's dismay. But I kept going until one day I came up with an idea. I got to change something. So I remember I had a notebook, and I drew a design of what I could do with the left-hand side of my handlebars on that mongoose Californian bike. And so I drew up this design. A friend of mine, his dad was a welder. And, and so we, we took this design, and what he did is he cut off the left handlebar on my bike. And then he took parts of that, and he welded a, a bar that went up that had a, had a circle in it that I covered with foam. It was all made out of iron, wrought iron, whatever he used to to make it, but it, it kind of went off, it went out and off to the side, and, and I put my arm in that circle, and I was a little bit higher, but man, now I had adapted in order to bring about successful jumping and running and biking. I, I, I finally figured it out, and it was amazing. I adapted in order to make it work. Now, I could get into a lot of stories about some of the things that I had to do to adapt to how I was born and how I was created. And as I mentioned before, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, and I think we're probably going to have to go into another part of this in another episode. But our world needs people that are willing to adapt to the current climate. Find where the wind of God is blowing and move into position to bring about change. Hear me. Life is, life is not a cookie-cutter set of plans. Life is fluid. It's more than just coloring inside the line, staying safe, hoping things will stay normal. No, life is a work of art, a painting that demands you mix up the colors and get paint all over yourself. Life is about growth, and growth demands change, but change requires that you stay humble, willing to adapt into the person that God is wanting you to become. I was speaking a few weeks ago at a graduation, and I made this remark, God is more interested in changing you than he is in using you. To be used by God is temporal, but to be changed by God is eternal. I wish I could really unpack all this, but let me just say this. God can do more with someone who is pliable and willing to be changed 
than he can with someone who is proud, thinks they have arrived, believes no one can tell them any different, has all the answers to life, doesn't want anybody telling them what to do. God is looking for vessels that are still moldable, willing to be filled with his purposes. He's not looking for vehicles that are driven by people with their own desires and destinations. Hear me. I, I need to wrap this up, and perhaps we'll do a, a, a two-parter because i got a few more things that I think we need to talk about. But sometimes you need to bring change. Sometimes you need to be changed. There are so many outside pressures right now affecting the world, and truth be told, all of us are feeling it in our own lives, and I hope you are, at least if you're half aware of what's happening right now in our world, you're, you're, you're seeing what's going on. But these pressures that may be trying to pull you down have to be resisted by a desire within you to pull everyone else up. Listen for just a moment. It takes guts to stand up to pressure and refuse to roll over because that would be the easier thing to do. Sometimes you need to stand your ground and refuse to settle for the status quo, but don't confuse this with refusal to adapt and be, as old Papa Gandhi said, the change we want to see in the world. Some people are so set in their ways, so rigid and regimented, that they hide behind their, uh, the, the, their so-called convictions and beliefs in order to hide their fear of change. They make it a religious, philosophical deal, when in reality, they're just, they're just scared. They're scared to change. They don't want to adapt. Now, I'm really going to just hit it home here in the final few moments of this. If you say you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, you can't model your life after him and be unwilling to adapt. Now, just so you don't leave this podcast and say, you know what, Darren is off of his rocker. I'm not talking about core doctrines and beliefs. If we have the time, hopefully in the next episode, maybe, maybe we'll have to take three episodes, but we'll dig into Daniel. We'll dig into maybe even Esther, who remained committed to who they were. Their core beliefs were there, but they were able to adapt in order to bring about major change in their world. In my final remarks here this morning or this afternoon, whenever you're watching this, many of us are in line for an extreme makeover. We have been living our lives just existing, just going through the motions. And if you're going to fulfill what God is desiring of your life, if you are going to engage in a journey of abundant life with God, if you are going to follow the, the, the God who created you to do amazing things, exploring mysteries and going to unknown places, then you are going to have to learn how to adapt. Yeah, I think we probably need to do another episode. And in that next episode, I'll unpack the life of Daniel, maybe even the three Hebrew boys, and we even take a little look at Esther, because in these lives, we see remarkable, remarkable adaptability that resulted in world-shaking impact. All of us must build on the past with an eye to the future. God has great things in store for you, but you and I must be willing to change in order to feel, fulfill all that he has planned for our lives. Let me just add this and I'll let you go. Just to give you something to look forward to. Daniel and Esther both possess the ability to adapt. Both of their stories are set in uncertain times, crisis situations. Neither of them had the ideal set of circumstances but they brought about change. 
Till next time, this is the Darren Sargent Show. Visit me at darrensargent.com. Check out the show notes. Keep in touch. Thanks for your support. Have an awesome day.